0: episode 40 in a couple seconds here. Holy crap, 40 episodes. Thank you guys so much for the support and making me want to keep giving you new episodes. So if you guys can, go to cuttheshitgetfit.com, check out the website, follow the blog, share this podcast with everybody you know so I can just get a broader reach. And this episode is going to be great. Mark is going to dive right into fitness, his take on nutrition, and something really interesting is a faith-based fitness community and how he uses religion to help coach other people. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I'm your host, Rafael Matuszewski, and joining me today is the Mark Young. Say hello.
1: Hey, what's up, guys?
0: So, Mark, if uh, you can, what I usually do for the first question is to kind of break the ice for the whole audience. Do you have any big plans for the uh, weekend?
1: For this coming weekend? Yeah. um, Wow. Uh, My daughter is home today, sick with a fever of one oh two five. So I don't have any great, tremendous plans for tonight. (laughs) <laughs> um, tomorrow I think, uh, we, we had maybe planned to go out for a movie night, but we will see how that materializes, uh, hashtag parent life. That's how it goes.
0: i going to go watch the beauty and the
1: beast. Uh, you know, my, my daughter saw it last week at oh, a birthday okay. party with some, with some friends and, uh, I went to see Logan instead while they were, while they were doing that. That's
0: a, that's a good movie though. I saw that too. There, so, it, was, it was funny. There was a lot of people that actually cried at the end of the movie.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't cry. I mean, I had my tear ducts removed because I wasn't using them, but uh, I, I did see some people were quite upset.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, so can you tell the audience who you are, what you do, and how did you get into this industry?
1: Wow. Um, yeah. Who I am, my name is Mark Young, as you uh, already mentioned. Uh, currently, I offer um, online fitness and nutrition coaching through a company that I've started relatively recently called Christ Centered Fitness. Um, how I got into the industry, I'll give you guys a little bit of a backstory, if that's all right. Um, basically, I've since I was a kid, I always wanted to grow up and be a gym teacher, uh, like pretty much all of my friends wanted to be astronauts or race car drivers or police or doctors. And as we got older, you know, people wanted to be lawyers, and they started looking for careers that would guarantee them a huge dearth of of money. And I just wanted to be a gym teacher, so I. Uh, you know, in 96, I guess I started university um, for reference, we didn't have cell phones. When I started university, we had pagers
0: Nice.
1: Uh, and then we got those Nokia cell phones. It's like a little brick, like you could drop it off a house and yeah. it wouldn't crack. So this is this is how long ago I started university. Uh, I studied kinesiology for uh, I did a four year undergrad and then I did some master's uh, work in research with Dr. Stuart McGill in exercise physiology and, uh, studied, did some, did some research in that area and then kind of got into personal training. And since then I have had the opportunity to work in a bariatric medical program dealing with people with really severe obesity, you know, BMIs from say 40 to 90, you know, we're talking people with body weights from say 350, 400 up to 700 pounds, Wow. Um, to uh, I've worked with um, some high-level executives through a company in Toronto where we worked with CEOs and presidents and VPs of companies, high uh, high-powered lawyers. I've worked with you know just average everyday folks like ourselves. Uh, maybe not you, Rafael, because we know you're big big time. <laughs> but also, but just general regular folks. And then you know I've worked with uh, fitness and figure competitors as well. And everything from in person to online, I've done it all. Um, not to brag, but it's been a—I've been really blessed in my career to have a lot of opportunities. So that's where things are at, and that's pretty much how I got here.
0: That's awesome. Um, when you touched on like CEOs and like business owners, what did you find? Like, because I—I have a couple that I train myself, and the biggest thing for them is you no, know, they're so wrapped up into their business and they were kind of focusing only on that. And then they're like, Oh shit, I need to go to the gym and it's already an hour past my gym time and they miss. And they are kind of inconsistent unless they make health a, a priority. Like how did you kind of get past that with those kind of clients?
1: You know, it's pretty, kind of interesting because I was working in Toronto. I'm Canadian. Uh, you guys can't see it here, but I'm, <laughs> I've got a Tim Hortons cup in front of me to be full Canadiana nice. while I'm on the call. Um, <laughs> So I was in Toronto and I actually found that a lot of the people that I was dealing with were already fairly health conscious in that like a lot of them would have a treadmill or a bike in their in their house or their condo and they would ride it or do their do cardio like almost every day, like thirty minutes to an hour. Like not all of them obviously, but many of them, which I was kinda of surprised about. So it was more the nutritional component that we had to deal with and with business lunches and stuff, we had uh, my focus was more on, okay, you came to the gym, we're going to do your workout today. But, you know, that we would talk a lot about how you're how you're going to manage your nutrition when you're out at your business lunch this week, or while you're traveling to China next week, and stuff like that. Um, for the people who didn't really um, already already do physical activity, uh, we use we use things like pedometers to encourage changing and pre like increasing step count, I mean, it's a small step on the path to better health. So I would say, you know, let's wear this for a week and see what your average daily step count is. And they might be at, you know, 3,000 steps. And I'd say, okay, for the next week, can we aim for an average daily step count of, you know, 3,500 or 4,000 steps? And that was a way to kind of gradually introduce them into more activity but uh, bless was, you. Yeah, that was that's awesome. My, that's my daughter in the background sneezing. Um, so, yeah, that was kind of a practical way. And, I mean, you're right in that they would sometimes miss appointments. Uh, I would literally text people an hour before. We had a system where it would email them the, the evening before. Uh, so that was helpful as well. But really, it was about, okay, if you're not going to be here, how are we going to fit physical activity as part of your daily regime and if you're gonna miss, what is something we can do in place of? So that was I mean, ultimately you don't really get paid if your client doesn't show up for a session. But I found that the more you genuinely cared about your client's health regardless, I find that they would they would start to I don't know, carry some of that onus or responsibility for it. So I'm not sure if that helps or answers your question, but I'm happy to just ramble on continuously <laughs> no, no, until was, you tell me to stop.
0: <laughs> no, that was good. But I, I like the idea of the step counter. I know a lot of coaches are like, oh, you know, the Fitbit is a stupid. The 10,000 step rule is, doesn't do anything. But I've seen a lot of people where they've never exercised in their life and they get a Fitbit and they have this goal of 10,000 steps every single day. And it's almost kind of like the jump start into their fitness journey. And right you know, it kind of just sets them up for success because they were like, Oh, I always have to do 10,000. I always have to do 10,000. And eventually that becomes easy. They're like, okay, what else can I do? Whereas some coaches will just, you know, knock the Fitbit completely. And they're like, Oh, that's a stupid.
1: <laughs> well, I think um, I, I would agree with, I understand that physically, if someone's primary goal is to lose a lot of weight, then going from 3,000 to 10,000 steps a day. It might not be a tremendous a tremendous push and you might not see something visually, but I'm always kind of like, okay, what is the next concrete step in front of you that you can take that will bring you on the way to the goals that you have? And it might not be that it's going to bring about a physical change immediately. but you know, if you can give them a step like you were saying, they'll say, okay, I've accomplished this. What's next? I'm competent. I'm confident. Give me something else. And that's, you know, so that's kind of my thinking towards it. More is better than none, you know, and, uh, and there's more to, there's more to health and fitness than just looking like a six pack of abs. Right. So (laughs) we know that, you know, walking for 30 minutes, 30 minutes a day can improve someone's physical health measures Independent of weight loss, so even if they're not losing weight, they're still going to experience positive health changes. And for a lot of people, that's that's actually their goal. We tend to force our goals on them, but for some people, they they just want to be healthier. So that's that's a step, I guess.
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of like the coach's experience too, because I find a lot of younger coaches are you know they have this idea of what every client should be doing and they're like oh every client should be deadlifting over 200 pounds every client should eat vegetables and protein every single day and it's like well you don't really know what's going on in the client's life and you kind of have to like figure out peel the layers back and then kind of go from there you know
1: I totally agree it's uh you know it's always about you know if I had a client who was completely inactive like I've you know, I deal a lot with like new moms and they're busy, man. Like if you're yeah. a dude, you don't you don't know. No. But if you're I know a lot of new moms, they they struggle with trying to fit in physical activity. And I'm like, can you walk around the block a couple times with your kid each day? And they're like, yeah. And if after a year, that's what they're doing. I mean, it doesn't seem like much, but it's more than what they were doing. And it's just it's kind of the next available step for them. Right. So that's kind of my thought process. You can't push people through the steps and force them to go further than they're willing, but you can guide them to the next step that they're willing to do. Right. So that's kind of my thinking anyway.
0: Yeah. Like I would say probably 90% of my clientele are moms and I feel they're kind of, you know, under service. Cause a lot of, especially male coaches, they kind of want to, you know, train the perfect athlete and getting them to performance levels. But there's this huge kind of market of women that, you know, they want to get healthy, they want to look better, and they want to feel better, and, you know, they just need a good coach to kind of get them from A to Z. So how do you coach, um, like, the busy mom, essentially, to kind of go from A to Z and at a, re- like, a decent pace and not, you know, kind of throw it down their throats that you need to lose weight?
1: Well, usually, I mean... My intake form, when I bring in new clients, it, it always in- includes things like, you know, what are your goals? How would you define with a couple words the type of person you want to be, you know, a year from now, for example? So people might, you know, sometimes people will say lean, ripped, whatever. But a lot of times people just say like energetic, confident, and that doesn't necessarily come from being lean and ripped. I mean, in, in fact, I've known a lot of people to have lost 30 pounds and they're no happier having lost 30 pounds than they were when they're heavy heavier because weight loss doesn't inherently equal happiness all the time, right? Like, So I guess when, I, when I'm working with a mom, I'll say, okay, what is – how would you define the person you want to be? Uh, what are your – what would you say your goals are? And then I'll also ask them – like what kind of activity do you enjoy? Right. So I'll actually, you know, and I have boxes if they want to do yoga, if they want to walk, if they, and some, one of my options is I hate exercise, you know, because then I can work with them to like, okay, what, what is the, what is something that you can manage to do? Because I mean, I don't get excited to floss my teeth, but I do it because I know the value of it. So I try to say, okay, we know there's a value to this. What is something that you're willing to do that is kind of on the, on the low end threshold of, of, of terrible for you, (laughs) you know? And, uh, you know, they'll be like, well, you know, I could probably do some yoga or I can do, you know, I used to be, I used to be a skater, so I like skating or whatever that is. And then I'll ask, of course, how many times per week are you willing to commit to physical activity? And I'll ask them for a sample of what their general nutritional intake looks like. So I always try to sort of make the plan as close to what they're currently doing as possible. And then with some obviously going forward a bit and then just kind of gradually progress that forward and add more as as they're willing, right? So it's a communication with people. What are What is the next step? How confident? I don't know if you're familiar with Precision Nutrition, but one of the questions they ask is – you know, on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you that you can do X for the next week? And if it's below, say, a six or seven, you don't want to say, "Okay, let's roll with that. You might say, "Okay, let's how can we scale that back in order for you to give me like a nine or 10? Right. And when they when they find something they can give you a 10, you let them roll with that for a week or two. And then once they built the confidence, you say, how do you feel about adding this? You know, what is your confidence level with that? And it's just sort of a stepwise process to sort of get people to do more.
0: I honestly love precision nutrition system because the more I hear like John Berardi speak or Krista speak, I'm like, holy crap, you guys are so smart. And it's such like simple things too. Like I was listening to John Berardi talk on the Fitcast the other day. And when they troubleshoot with clients, they just ask them like, what do you need to kind of be successful with this challenge that you're doing right now? And then the client starts thinking, well, you know, if I had a water bottle on my desk all the time, I'd probably drink more water. And they're already giving you the answer that you're looking for, whereas a lot of coaches sometimes just tell you, you need to be doing this, right?
1: Yeah, I think uh, a client will hold a lot more of the answers than they think they do, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they might sometimes give you an answer that's, that's way out there because it's been suggested to them by a friend or by the media. You might have to course correct a little bit, but... I feel that a lot of the time clients can – you can get the client invested in solving their own problems, right? And I think that's an important part of being a coach because if you're spoon-feeding them, you're not really giving them the skills to be able to do it for themselves. you know. And uh, that FitCast, the second one, I I don't know if you heard that one with John Berardi, the last 30 minutes was pure gold. Oh, yeah, definitely. So – I'm not trying to steal from your podcast, (laughs) but if anybody needs another podcast to listen to, that that would be episode 240 or four something with John Brody. Yeah, it was good.
0: I I love the FitCast. Like when I first got into this, uh, my career of training people, I was the first podcast I started listening to. And I think it's I interviewed actually Kevin on like episode like 13 or 14 of my show. And it was so surreal to, like, hear his voice coming through Skype, and I'm like, dude, this is so cool, but, um, yeah, he's been kind of, like, a mentor to me without even knowing it, and, yeah, I'll, like, I'll plug his podcast all the time on the show if I can. Um, Where was I going with this? Totally blanking, but um, how do you coach your clients on nutrition? Like, do you follow the precision nutrition way, or do you kind of found your own kind of way of coaching uh, nutrition?
1: I am – so I am more sort of um, macronutrient-oriented, so Mm -hmm. um, I don't know – for your listeners, I'm not sure if you're super familiar with this concept, but the idea is ultimately that the amount of calories you consume will drive weight loss, so you have to consume fewer calories than you burn in order to lose weight, and I'm kind of of the opinion – what I like to do with my clients is I will get them to track their nutritional intake as accurately as possible for a two-week period. And then we'll kind of figure out what their average daily intake is. And if their goal is to lose weight, well then we just if they're at main if they're maintaining, we just bump their daily intake down a bit. They have a target range per day. So if, for example, someone was consuming you know, 2,300 calories a day on average. We might say, okay, you know, let's go down to, you know, 1,800 per day. That would might be a fairly aggressive drop. And we might say, let's go down to, you know, eighteen to 1,900 per day for the next two-week period, and then we'll reassess. And if the person's making progress, we leave it as it is. If they're not, of course, we have to look at whether they're actually achieving that target range and address those issues. And if they are, then we make continual changes so um, it's basically uh, the old um, results based decision making if you're getting results leave it alone. If you're not getting results, make sure you're compliant first if there's any issues that need to be addressed there and then if you are change the plan and continue that way So it's it's I've not invented this by any means but I've just found it to be really helpful. For clients to have a good understanding nutritionally of what they're consuming, especially in the beginning, if people have no idea, you know how many calories are in different things, or how much protein, or various things like that, it's really eye-opening for most people.
0: Yeah. Do you like um, tracking macros and calories for the long term, or would you kind of do it for a short period of time just to kind of educate the client?
1: I'm personally a fan of long-term tracking, and the reason for that is because, frankly, I don't think it takes a lot of effort. Um, I mean, really, you know, I track every day. It takes literally every day, if I were to add it all up, maybe five minutes. And I kind of think of it as though um, you're. if someone comes to you and they say, I have a money problem, and you're like, okay, and they're like, I can't manage my money save my life. And I'm like, all right, so do you have a budget? And they're like, nah, I hate budgets. Or like, can I just budget for, you know, a couple months and then just go back to the practices that I have and manage that as well. I don't think that's a good plan. Right. So <laughs> I, feel, I feel as though, uh, managing weight is kind of like a lifelong journey. It's like, I'm, I've heard, I don't know if you know Dr. Arya Sharma is, and uh, Dr. Yoni Friedhoff, they're kind of uh, sort of guys that I've looked up to in terms of weight management. And Dr. Sharma one time said something to the effect of weight management is kind of a lifelong thing in the same way that um, if someone has high blood pressure and you give them a treatment, you give them a medication and their blood pressure returns to normal, then you would say, okay, well, this person no longer has high blood pressure, but the reality is is that the treatment is what kept, keeps their blood pressure within the treatment range. So yeah. the same thing is true of exercise and nutrition or, in this case, nutrient tracking. If you use nutrient tracking as your quote-unquote treatment to sort of get someone to a specific range, then when you take away the treatment, the budget, the method, then it's not unusual to see someone's weight climb. Oh, that makes uh, so, sense. So that's kind of my position. I'm not not everybody, especially in the beginning, would have to track macros. I mean, if someone's diet is quite terrible, for example, and you could say, okay, you know, you're drinking two liters of juice a day, then we might go and say, Okay, well, maybe we're gonna start paring that down. That's our first project without having people track. But as I kind of as we get more refined, I just feel that it's something that's helpful. Um and I don't want to say that's the only way. It's just the way that that I prefer to manage things. I think Precision Nutrition has a great habit-based way as well. It's just I've had success with this path with clients, so that's kind of where I lean towards most of the time.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people like when they think of tracking, it's going to be this long process. But like I, when I track before I like, go, I would use my Fitness Pal. And, you know, it's not that hard when you eat relatively the same thing every day. You can just... Because I think it saves, like, all your entries before, so you can just add it to the next day. And, yeah. And it's kind of just easy that way. Like, I remember when I was tracking, I would just, like, as I'm eating, I would just go on my phone like everyone does anyway. And you just track as you go, and it's not that big of a deal, but...
1: Yeah, I mean, I understand there's some people who who feel that it's too regimented, and I don't really... I'm not too sticky on you know, how much protein in grams are you getting, how many carbs in grams. The biggest target for me is what's your total calorie intake, and are you getting an adequate amount of protein? And then from there, it comes becomes more habit-based. So within that calorie range, what kinds of foods are you eating? Are you eating nutritiously dense foods, or are you eating foods that are not really supporting your health? So it's kind of a bit of both, I guess, like the main focus is controlling your caloric range, but outside of that, you want to make sure that it's not just junk that you're eating. Obviously. Yeah.
0: I like using it to kind of just see where you are, right? Cause if a client hits a plateau and I'm like, okay, well let's track for the next couple of days and see what your calories are at. And then sometimes right. they like track it. They're like, holy shit, I'm eating a lot. It's like, well, there you go. Now we got another piece to the puzzle. Let's kind of work with this. Right?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've had some clients that are just really resistant to it. And I'm like, okay, well, an alternate means that we can use is to track macros or to sorry, not track macros or calories, but we just kind of use a habit based system. And there are pros and cons to both. One of the things that I guess I really try to focus on is that I don't want to fit people into my method. I would rather. You know, kind of look at someone's lifestyle and the situation they're in and their goals, and try to fit the appropriate method to them. So if macro tracking doesn't work for them, um, not that it doesn't work, because it would work if they did it, but if it's not a good fit for them, then I will try to find an alternate means to deal with them. Or if I don't feel that it, what I'm or what they want or what they need is within my scope, then I'd rather refer them out to somebody else who can better serve them.
0: Yeah um so i was gonna go circle back to when we first started because um, you started the company christ centered fitness and i when i first saw that i was like man this is a really good idea because you don't really see a lot of like faith-based fitness communities so i kind of wanted to like ask your opinion on why you decided to start that and why do you think you kind of have the advantage to market to that you know that kind of group of people
1: mm, that's a good question um basically, as I kind of mentioned before, I started, um, university and kinesiology in 1996. And since that point, in some way or another, I've been studying, uh, fitness and nutrition and exercise up until this point, uh, studying it or coaching it or training people in various capacities throughout my career. So it's what, 21 years. And, uh, Hence, the reason I have so much gray hair. you guys can't see that, <laughs> but uh, I don't have a dark hair left on my head. And basically, that's one of the one of the things that kind of happened was six years ago, you know, I started going to a church and I became a Christian. And there seemed to be a really huge divide for me between you know sort of the self, often self-centered and aesthetic minded fitness industry that I was a part of. And sort of the the Christian or faith-centered ministry that I was a part of that was less about self and more about other people and about maybe taking care of your body for other reasons. And I really struggled with that even in terms of like wanting to exercise as a means to to look jacked or to have abs. And it really – it was hard for me because I was personally just part of that, that uh, environment. And it came down to – New year's sort of around January a couple of years ago, every year our church does kind of like a fasting and prayer per- period at the start of the year and I was kind of praying about that like I really wish I knew if I could if I could close this divide somehow. And you know as a during that period of time, I just really felt it impressed on my heart that I should study more about stewardship, which is basically the management of the things with which we've been blessed or the things we've been given to work with. And what it was is basically just taking care of the things you've been given to manage, which is like your faith, your family, your your finances, your fitness, all starting with Fs conveniently because I think that's really cool. <laughs> and and so that's kind of – I started being like, yeah, like I really need to manage these things. And in managing your fitness, it was ultimately a means to sort of – it's almost a means of worship. Like, thanks for giving me this. I'm going to take care of it. And it really, for me, closed the different – closed that, the distance between you know, exercise and faith. Like taking, your, taking care of your body actually can be – it doesn't have to be a self-centered pursuit or at least a purely self-centered pursuit. You're still going to experience the benefits. You're still going to lose weight. You're still going to look better. You're still going to be healthy and stronger. You get all those physical benefits that you – that we all want, let's be honest, but it's also a means of sort of – you know, honoring God for what you've been given. And that was just, to me, a reason that I, that I kind of pursued that direction. And it took me almost a year from that point to start, you know, a Facebook page, to start an Instagram page, to start, I just started it literally as a way to start sharing the things that I kind of discovered as I was learning. And people actually followed it, surprisingly enough, and wanted to hear what I had to say. And so I just decided this is going to be a coaching platform. We're going to kind of integrate faith with fitness for the people that are interested in that. So that's how it came to be. I don't know if that was if that makes any sense.
0: <laughs> no, it does. Um, so on your like your followers for Christ Centered Fitness, is it just primarily like the people from your church or are you finding it like all across the world?
1: Yeah, it's actually interesting. I have people from, you know, when I bring it up. You know, and, and for those who don't know, on the back end of a Facebook professional page, you can see where your followers are distributed, whether they're male or female, generally speaking, as a percentage, and you can see where they're distributed in the world. And I have a lot, um, I'm in Canada, I have a lot of people in the United States, which is interesting to me because obviously, you know, that it's not people from my own church. Um, actually, a lot of people from my own church are more Instagram types. So, I don't. They might follow my Instagram page, but um, yeah, the Facebook page is pretty much you know, just kind of organic reach and shares that people have shared it, shared things on the page, and it's just reached people and expanded. So, I mean, it's not like it's massive or anything. I got like maybe close to six hundred people following the page at this point, but yeah, I would say the reach is definitely well beyond my my own personal sphere of influence, so to speak.
0: Okay. Yeah, like, I think it's a good idea because, like, you're creating a community where people already kind of know it because they go to their own church and they feel safe and, like, they feel a part of something and then now they see this online, they're like, oh, this is awesome, like, I want to be a part of it. And that kind of comes down to, you know, the last kind of few years in our industry where, you know, everyone's kind of, like, spitting out that, you know, community is so important and I've been asking this with some other coaches that have online businesses where they train people. Like, how are you creating a community of culture on your online business for this you know group of people?
1: So currently, I mean, I'm kind of in the place now where it's gone from a where a play page where I just share my thoughts and just blather out whatever I'm I'm thinking about at that point in time to a more systematically arranged business. And, you know, one of the things a lot of people are doing is developing a, like a a Facebook group or community. So that's kind of, I think my, my next step. And I don't know if you've ever heard of Craig Groeschel. No, but he, he is a, he is a pastor in the States. He runs a church called life church. It's probably the largest church in the United States. And they created a Bible app that pretty much anybody who is a Christian in North America has on their phone. It's got like three billion downloads or something crazy like that. Wow. Um, It's kind of a worldwide thing. And he has a leadership podcast called Craig Gorshell's Leadership Podcast, which isn't really a faith-centered thing. It's aside from his his church practices and stuff. But he talks a lot about the development of culture and – Your culture is defined by kind of what you do, what you – and what you teach and what you allow, right? So if you – even if you don't teach a certain behavior, if you allow it within your culture, it will become part of the culture. So there are certain things you have to sort of – you have to exemplify what you want your culture to represent. You have to teach that and you have to disallow the things that you don't stand for to ensure the culture kind of grows. So, you know – in building a community i think the key is to have some kind of general guidelines some language some some just things that that the community will stand for and that's kind of the process i guess that i'm that i'm developing so that's kind of where i'm hoping to go because I'll, more so than a facebook page where you're just pushing in for information out i'd rather have people sharing information uh, there's a quote by tom peters that says You know, good leaders don't create more followers. They create other leaders. And my thought process is that in that community, I'll be able to create other people to go and share what they've learned from the community and the things that we kind of do in there. So they may not be fitness professionals, but they'll be able to spread that kind of information outwards.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I think um, like one, I think you're really brave, like creating um, a faith-based you know fitness company because i find a lot of people nowadays like they don't want to say anything to do with politics or religion to piss everybody off <laughs> right,
1: right exactly
0: and i was like when i saw it, i was like oh this is such a good idea because it's so underserved but um yeah I, the other thing i was going to ask is like cuz you said was it 6 years ago or 9 years ago that you kind of found your way into christianity like what made you go <laughs> into that direction like what clicked in your head or like i need to find a religion to kind of get to the next level in my life.
1: Yeah, it's funny because I was raised Anglican. Um, You know, I grew up in an Anglican family. My dad didn't really go to church, but my mom went every week. And, uh, you know, I think when I was around 16 or something like that, my mom said, "Okay, you're old enough to make your own decision about what it is you want to do. Do you want to come to church every week or do you want to not come? And I was like, I'm 16 years old and I'm just going to stay home and sleep in on Sundays (laughs) if you don't mind. And from that point until probably my mid-thirties, I I not just I not just let go, but I raged against religion in general. I mean, I studied, I took world religions when I was in university. I studied, I read the Bible, I read the Bhagavad Gita, I read the Dhammapada, I read, you know, all a variety of religious texts, and then I took the classes, and then I would take and I would read the atheist authors. And, and I read like Dawkins and and all these guys and I would just blast against Christians I would literally go out find Christians and antagonize them with Bible verses <laughs> that they didn't have an answer for because they hadn't read <laughs> their Bible and uh, so that was pretty much the point I was at I, I used to I used to give Christians a really hard time because uh, it was it was fun for me and I was completely in disbelief but uh, kind of around that time I guess, um, you know, I had tried to open a business around 2009, I guess, that as much as I felt like I, at the point I was very good at training people, I was terrible at business and the business collapsed and we ended up literally like moving into my mom's basement. And, you know, we had, and during that time we had our daughter and it's like, man, like I'm in my 30s. I live in my mom's basement with my wife. I have, you know, I have a daughter. And like, at the time, I it was like struggling to get back on my feet in like a fitness-based job. And it was just really, it was really a low point. Um, my wife uh, suffered with like postpartum depression, and it was just quite a really low point in in where we were at. We finally kind of got out of that situation. I got a job. We got a, an apartment at the time. We moved out. And, but it was still, it was still kind of just, just like a dark, low period. And my wife said, you know, oh, I'm thinking of checking out my friend's church. And, and I was like, all right, where do you know this friend from? And she said, well, I, I knew him from elementary school, from grade seven. We went to school together. We we're talking on Facebook. And I was like, wait, did you guys ever date? She's like, well, you know, we're grade seven. And I was like, well, oh, I'm going, I'm going with you because I quite literally, <laughs> I quit. She's like, he's married now. He's older. He has a kid. And I was like, I'm going just to ensure (laughs) I'm like, literally, I'm like, I was such a jealous person that I went just to ensure that nothing came of this. Right. Which was ridiculous. And, uh, we went to this church and I kind of walked in and I met the people and they were like, literally my typical Bible questions that I would ask them, they would have answers for. Or I'd say, well, what about this and what about that? And they would they would endure whatever I would throw at them. And I was like, one of the biggest things that ticked me off about a lot of, you know, quote unquote Christians that I met over the years was that they would say one thing, and then their lives didn't reflect it. Right? So they'd be, you know, be modest, be this, be that. Social media, you know, like booty pictures, you know, or you know, don't judge another person, love on other people. Social media something, something swearing at everybody and just tearing people down. And I, I could see there was like this hypocrisy and it really frustrated me. And the people I was meeting were just living it out and not reflecting that hypocrisy that I was used to. And they were, and it turns out that the guy that I was worried about turned out to be one of my closest friends. And, you know, like six years later we're really close with our family and I can't say exactly I know what I know that it was jealousy that brought me into the church, but my experience that first day with the people is what kind of kept me coming back. And then as time went on and I studied the Bible with from a different perspective, it just really resonated with me and I just felt like like softened and my heart changed. And like these days, like I just don't have jealousy. I don't have this resentment or bitterness or offense that I had during that time. So it was just like a really transformational experience for me personally and for my wife and for our family, really like our marriage was, I don't say we were on the brink of divorce or anything. We weren't fighting, but it was even worse, I guess, in that we were apathetic, you know, worse than fighting to me is just not caring.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, it's just, it's really changed a lot in our lives. And it was just something that, a lot of people say i had this moment of conversion while i was on the floor and i was shaking and i felt god's presence and it just really wasn't like that for me in that moment i don't i can't define a time where i was like yeah i'm a christian but at some point or another there was a, a a switch and it was just to imagine myself now i can see other people who who would who would just you know attack christians and tear them down on social media and I think, yeah, I can relate to that. Like, I was that guy. And I can't even tell you how to get to where I'm at now. I just know that there's a place where if you encounter the right situation, the right people, and I believe if God opens your heart, then it will it will change your life. So I don't know if I'm getting preachy there, but um, <laughs> I don't intend to do that. So I am apologize to your listeners if that's the case. But that's just what happened for me personally. So that's my experience.
0: No, I think that was a really good answer. Like that's such a cool and and interesting story because, you know, a lot of people are kind of thrown off by religion and, you know, depending on how you were brought up, sometimes parents kind of just shove it down your throat that, you know, we do it so you need to do it. And I kind of like the stories where people kind of do it on their own, right? They kind of experience everything and they're like, this is right for me and I feel good about it and I want to do it. Right.
1: But I I mean, I think I think so much of religion has become this kind of lawfulness, like this set of rules that people intend to follow. And then when I studied the Bible through the vision of like God being a father and like I think as a father to my daughter. Right. I mean, I give her rules not because I want to spoil her life and spoil her fun, despite what she would tell you. You know, you're ruining my life. But (laughs) But you do that because you want to keep them safe and keep them on the right path. So when you look at the rules and guidelines as a means to sort of to protect you and to lead you down the best life and – so the rules aren't there as like to spoil your fun or to make things terrible for you, right? And when I when I got that, I was like, all well, this regimented behavior that people were doing in some of the churches I've seen isn't really what the Bible was saying, so – I know it just really it gave me a big perspective shift and it opened my my mind to something different. And you know, if someone wants to believe something differently, that's cool. I completely understand. We can have great discussions. I'm going to love them anyway, but it's just my personal convictions, that's all.
0: Awesome. Uh so kind of the next kind of direction I wanted to go was parenting and uh, yeah. Yeah, cuz you kind of brought up the daughter a bunch of times and yes. you know, like I primarily work with people who have kids and the biggest struggle is trying to balance your own schedule along with your kids schedule and I've seen parents you know they have three kids and all three kids have three different sports that they play and the mom or dad are like the bus driver for every event and then at the same time they're like shit I need to do something for myself so what kind of advice do you have for parents trying to make fitness a a priority?
1: I know. In in my experience, what it came down to really doing is reprioritizing your life. Like looking at is what is really truly important in your hierarchy of, hierarchy of things. And in our house, we kind of have a a layered approach, right? God is number one. My, your spouse is number two. Your children are number three. If you're a non believer, of course, then you know you don't have God as your number one. That's whatever the case, but. We kind of believe that your spouse is number one and your your children come below that because, first of all, what happens in a lot of families is we're effectively cheating on our spouse with our kids in that we devote so much time to them that we sacrifice the relationship that we have with our spouse. And the best way to exemplify a healthy relationship to your kids is to have one with your spouse, Right. I mean, you can be great to your kids, loving to your kids, but they won't know how you're supposed to interact with the person you're married to unless they see it exemplified. Right? Yes. And so I think that's a really important thing in that kids will kind of I've heard it said that kids will follow your example, not your advice. Right? And so they need to see what how you treat your spouse and that's kind of how we how we treat it in our house and then, you know, we have, so we have these priorities and we're like, you know, fitness is a priority for not just our kids, but for us. So we have these kind of ranking things. And then when you kind of put things in layers of importance, then you go, okay, you know what? And when you reevaluate through that lens, you're like, my kids are in like 20 different things and it's cutting into some of these things that are higher up on the priority priority list. So, something has to give down here in order to make room for these things that are up here. Right. And you're, and in that example, I've again, it's kind of like behaviors are caught, not taught. So, when you show your kids, you know what, we're going to need to cut this from down here in order to prioritize our health because we need to take care of you, you're again teaching them a lesson for their future. Right. You're saying, okay, I'm not cutting out everything that you want to do, but. When you have kids, you're going to need to do this too. So they're seeing it exemplified in in what you're doing. And I think that's really what it comes down to in terms of parenting is you need to figure out what your priority list is in your house, sit down with your spouse, create your list of priorities and then see if your behaviors are lining up with your priorities or if your schedule lines up with your priorities. I've heard it said that if you want to know where someone's priorities are, you look at their calendar and their pocketbook and that's you know we say like you know i prior i this is most important to me then you look at their calendar you're like well why isn't it in there like is your health important is your health important to you i don't see that here is your you know is this important to you i don't see that in your in your daily spending right do you do you spend any money to forward your health and uh so we try to lead that by example i guess does that, does that make any sense?
0: Yes, that was like a really, really great answer. And that's what I've been telling uh, clients recently about the kind of the priority list because um, I've been listening to a lot of like Coach Stevo's work. And when I right. had him on my show, he told me that if you can get fitness and health in the top five priority list in your clients, then you've made it as a coach. And then I was like, holy crap, that makes a lot of sense because... Like a lot of people just stress about, oh, I need to get a workout in, or oh, I need to m- make my meals for the whole week. And then they end up failing and they're like, oh crap, whatever. But I told this to a couple of clients and they're like, oh, if I put, you know, the gym and making healthy meals at say number four or five and worry about, yeah, my spouse and my kids first, before that, it almost gave them like more breathing room. They felt less stressed about it. And it was, it was almost more doable for them. And I was like, that's exactly what people need to do is like kind of create your top five and make sure all the really important ones are in there. And I think that kind of puts you in the right direction.
1: Yeah, that kind of, I don't know if you've ever heard the, you know, the rocks in the jar analogy. Have you heard that before? Possibly. I mean the idea is that professor comes into a class and he's got a great big jar. Yeah. And he and he says, I have these five huge stones. So he puts these five big rocks in this jar and it fills it up to the top. And he says to the class, Is my is my jar full? And the class says, Well, yeah, it looks full to us. So the professor pulls out another jar full of, you know, coarse gravel and he dumps it and he shakes the jar around. And the gravel falls around the big rocks. And he says, well, now is it full? And the students are like, well, maybe not. So then he proceeds to pull out a jar of sand and he pours it in and he shakes it around and the sand falls around the gravel and the big rocks to fill up the jar completely. And the point is that when you put your five big rocks in the jar first, all the other things will fit around it. But if you put the sand in, the small things in your life, and then the gravel You're only going to be able to fit one or two of those big rocks in your jar, and then something is going to have to fall by the wayside and not be in the jar. So the point is, when you're looking at your week, when you've got your top five priorities, you schedule your priorities, right? People say you prioritize your schedule, but the saying I've learned is that you want to schedule your priorities, put your top five in first, and then all the other little things that you need to do will fall in around that, right? So... It's, if you do it the other way around, you're never going to be able to truly get in the things that really matter.
0: Yeah, I've, I've heard that story before, but I, it was, it's been a while since someone actually said that, and that works really well in this example. And um, the other thing you said was, like, you know, you gotta, your kids will pick up things that you kind of make an example out of. And I just started thinking, like, how my dad was with my mother, and he treated her so well and i picked that up as a child and now i i think that's one of the reasons why i have such a solid relationship with my wife and like we've been together for 9 years like since high school and we've been like solid as a rock and i got to give props to my dad for teaching me stuff that he probably didn't even think that he was giving me a good lesson on how to treat a woman but yeah like if you are a parent that you know goes to the gym and your kid always sees that you're going to the gym and They're like, oh, I want to be like dad. I want to be like mom going to the gym. So I think they'll pick that up as they grow up.
1: Right. And I mean, I don't want to say everybody has to go to the gym either. It can be like, you know, I've seen my wife doing workout videos in the living room. Like she'll be like, oh, man, I can't get out today. But she's going to put on something on the TV and she'll be doing the exercise in the living room. And my daughter will be in there right beside her on the floor doing going up and down and doing push ups and burpees and, you know downward dog and all sorts of stuff, right? So it, I just love that that thing. Behaviors are caught, not taught, because your mm-hmm. kids will see it and they will adopt it. It's like monkey see, monkey do around the house, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's with relationships, it's with finances. I mean, growing up, I don't remember my parents talking about money with us too much. And, you know, that's something that we have decided, like, we're going to be really open about finances in our house. We're going to be open about activity. We're going to be open about basically everything about food so we want there to be an understanding of like this is how we handle things and so that our daughter grows up with the understanding of this is what we do right and if your behaviors aren't in line with what you need them to be for your like for your kids you know people think like well i put the gym and all this lower on the list on my priority list my you know my wife is up top, up high my kids are up high and they put the gym down low but what you don't realize sometimes is that your managing your health, managing your nutrition, actually is helping your your spouse and your children, Definitely. right? It is. It, it's a part of taking care of them. I always think of it as the broken down, uh, broken down ambulance analogy. Like if a if an ambulance shows up to help you, and it's looking well maintained and shows up and you jump in, well you hopefully, if you need an ambulance, you're probably not jumping in, <laughs> but they put you in and it drives away. You're gonna get the help you need. But if an ambulance comes down and it hasn't been maintained, and the wheels are falling off, it's rickety, it's got no doors, it's full of rust, like that ambulance might not be able to serve you because it's not been taken care of. So if you're in a parental position and you're taking care of kids, I mean, you don't want to be a blasted down ambulance. You want to be the fully functioning ambulance, well-maintained so that you can serve the needs of the people that you know, are, are placed in your care. So that's kind of the, the way I try to think about it. I have a lot of analogies, by the way. I
0: I know, I noticed that, yeah. (laughs) But, um, like, the monkey see, monkey do thing is huge because I've had, you know, moms come into the gym and, you know, the kid's sick. They're like, oh, is it okay that I brought my kid to the gym? I'm like, yeah, whatever, it's all good. And, you know, as the hour goes and mom's training and the kid, like, I always, like, look over at the kids and their eyes are so big. They're like, oh, this is so cool. And after a couple experiences of going to the gym, seeing their parents work out they're like, so when can I work out? And they're like, you know, five or six, and mom and dad are like, well, you know, eventually you will. And I keep hearing stories from clients where, you know, they tell their kids, oh, I'm going to the gym. No matter what their age is at, they're always asking, so when can I come to the gym with you?
1: <laughs> so right. it's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, that's great.
0: Um, so the next thing I kind of wanted to ask, and it might probably be the last question because it's already been an hour, Um have you changed your mind about anything in the fitness and nutrition kind of realm lately?
1: Wow. Lately. That's tough. Um, (laughs) I have changed my mind many times over, over the years. Um, I've gone from having a very simple nutritional understanding to calories drive weight loss, try to stay within that eat healthfully to very detailed stuff about trying to manipulate Hormones with exercise, nutrition, all the way back to you know, simple was really the most effective, and uh, that stuff is you know, really it didn't bring about any different results. Um, I know, so I've changed my mind a number of times. Um, a number of my time times, my wife would tell you that she was right and I was wrong, but <laughs> she's not here, so we're not gonna we're not gonna record that part. But. Um, Wow. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that there's been anything that has changed tremendously for me in the last while. But I, w- I guess I would say like my perception of fitness since I've kind of done the faith based thing has changed in that I don't really see fitness as a means to an end anymore. Like I'd always think of it as a means to get this. It was a means to get abs. It was a means to grow a nice butt. It was a means to get something from someone you know it was to get attraction to bring health to give you power and you know by all means you you know you can develop great things through fitness self-confidence but i i just think of it as sort of an ongoing management of resources okay and when you approach it with that idea with that thing it's kind of like investing you know like when you think about investing money in in what do you guys have in the States 401 K's or all sorts of things that I don't understand. Um, but, but when you put money in an, an investment, it's a long-term management, right? It's not something you're doing, you're vesting into for a few weeks or 12 weeks. If someone says, I'm going to make an investment for 12 weeks and pull it out and hope for tremendous growth or progress. It's really not going to be helpful, right? Like you're not going to make a large amount of money in a short period of time in most instances. So it's kind of that ongoing management so that you'll have a benefit at the end. And that's kind of how I think about health. It's just kind of changed from really short-term goal-oriented to sort of just sort of an ongoing management so that I can fulfill the rest of things that I need to be doing in my life.
0: Awesome. I I think that's a good thing because I always look back every year and I'm like, okay, what have I changed my mind about? And if it's a few things, then I kind of know that I'm going in the right direction because, you know, our industry changes a lot and you kind of have to keep on top of it. And, you know, if you learn one or two new things to kind of tweak the way you coach, then I feel successful.
1: Yeah, truthfully for me, um, I don't really read much in the way of like fitness and nutrition information as much these days. I have a couple really reliable resources and, and people that I connect with that kind of keep me on top of breaking changes but i've not really noticed that the body changes tremendously in, within the span of a year or that i haven't seen any major nutritional breakthroughs that make me think wow like if someone just does this their problems are going to be solved um, i just so for me it's just been expanding you know my reading library is way outside of fitness i listen to podcasts that are in terms of leadership or psychology or history and in doing that, it's just broadened my overall view of fitness and how it sort of is more a piece of everything else than, than your being your whole life. I mean, for fitness professionals, that can be hard sometimes. But for our clients, that's more how it is, right? It's a piece of their life, not their whole life. So that's the big shift for me is just making it part of my life instead of being the whole thing if that makes sense
0: no yeah but i think a lot of coaches fall into that category that they're so into like the science of nutrition and exercise when really it's like you got to learn your client's behaviors and why they're doing certain things and why they're not doing the things you want them to do and that's why i like branching out to reading like different material on yeah, say like psychology and figuring out why people do the things that they do
1: Right, yeah. There's some great resources. I mean, the Motivate Forum with Steve O and uh, Omar is fantastic for stuff like that. I mean, uh, Roland Fisher and Georgie Fear. I don't yeah. know. You did you have Georgie on a podcast or something?
0: Yeah, um, probably back in September, I think.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of great info. Don't don't mistake it for me saying that I don't think there's a lot of good stuff. And I, again, those are some of the people that that I follow and learn from. Um, John Berardi's stuff is always fantastic, but it's just kind of, uh, yeah, I'm limited in what I study in those areas just because, not to say that I can't learn, I don't want to come across as that way, but I just found that branching out my studies has, I found like relationships to fitness kind of as it comes back to it after the fact, after I read it, go, hey, that can apply here. So I don't know, I've just found that to be really helpful for me.
0: Awesome. What, what are the like current books that you're reading if you're reading anything right now?
1: Um, so I know the, every day I do a Bible devotional on my UVersion app. So that's kind of my day to day thing. Um, I have, I'm reading a book by that guy, pastor Craig Rochelle and his okay. wife, Amy. It is called from this day forward. Uh, it is about five principles to help, uh, solidify your marriage and, uh, we have a men's group at our church. We call it Irresistible Husbands because we're trying to be irresistible to our wives um, nice. or, or less resistible. Um, and uh, we kind of get together biweekly. We do book projects. We do book uh, things, and that's one of them that, that we've been doing, and it's been really good. I'm also reading uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen. It's a time management type of book that uh, I found to be really helpful. And I think I was, I just read another one, something about a monk and the merchant or something like that. It was about uh, finance management. And uh, so that was pretty cool. So really, I'm, I'm the type of guy I have, my Kindle library is where good books go to die. <laughs> I buy, someone says, this is a good book, check it out. And I buy it and then it goes <laughs> in the library and then it just goes in this pile of backlogged books. And uh, so I almost always have three books on the go. And I will just read them when I feel like it, and then I'll finish one, and then I highlight it and summarize it and go back through. And I basically go through – yeah, I go through a lot of books. But awesome. uh, only I, – I mean I don't really read uh, fictional novels or anything like that. That's what uh, Netflix is for. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. I get
1: I get my fiction through movies and Netflix, and then books more for me are like personal development or discovery. So – that's just my preference, but
0: what are you watching yeah. right now on Netflix? Uh,
1: I just finished watching the 100, which, uh, if you haven't watched it, it's pretty neat. If you like sort of a sci-fi combined with, um, if you ever see the movie maze runner, it's kind of like a hybrid mm-hmm. space maze runner type movie movie. I like that. Um, I've watched, of course, all the Marvel series and, uh, I watched scandal and, Yeah, that's pretty much it. And Friends is kind of the go-to backup. I've watched the Friends. My wife and I have watched the Friends series. I don't know how many times through. But if you ever get home and you need to decompress, that's my go-to. I'm like, all right, flip on a Friends. You just pick a number, random season, random episode, go. And just, you know, I can pretty much recite the lines now. But it's my my decompress show if I need it.
0: Yeah, Friends is timeless. You can watch that no matter, like, you can watch it a billion times, and it's still good.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll make a controversial statement here and say that I, I like Seinfeld, but I would put Friends above Seinfeld on the uh, on the top TV shows list. So I nice. just got, if any, any listeners were still here, they're probably tuning out right now, like, get out of
0: here. <laughs> What's <up?" laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, Chandler is me. If there's an awkward situation, then I'm going to put a joke in the middle of it.
0: Nice. Uh, so... Absolutely, last question. Do you have any projects coming out? Where can people find you online? Do you have any, like, products coming out? Things like that, just plug away.
1: Yeah, really, um, yeah, I am i don't have anything specific. Well, okay, in my mind, I have a, a book project coming up that I'd like to accomplish um, where I'm going to kind of summarize the principles of the nutrition and coaching practices that I do integrated sort of with a faith um, a face faith based system. Um, but I don't know when that'll come cause I'm procrastinating on it pretty good. Um, I'm also planning to open a Christ centered fitness community as opposed to just a page. But in the interim, uh, you can find me at Christ centered fitness on Facebook. You can look at my personal Facebook, which is Mark RJ young, Facebook backslash forward slash, whatever it is, Mark RJ young. And on Twitter, uh, not Twitter, sorry, on Instagram, Christ Centered Fitness. Again, I'm there. So you can find me there. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Nothing to sell you guys. Just wanted to come on and share some experiences.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. This was great.
1: Thanks, dude, for having me on. I appreciate it. Appreciate you guys for sticking around and listening so long. Hopefully it's made your your car rides more pleasurable because I know I listen to podcasts when I'm driving.
0: Okay, so that's going to wrap up episode 40 with Mark Young. Holy crap, it's been 40 episodes. So guys, thank you so much for supporting the show. Uh check out the website cuttheshitgetfit.com. Check out my blog on there. Comment, share the um the website. Um give me a 5-star rating if you can on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever, how you listen to this podcast. And again, if you have any questions, email me at rafal at empowerhp.ca and follow me on social media. It's usually at Raf
1: Matuszewski on all of them. And until next time.